handle the truth. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thursday night. Get right with Thomas Freeman and Demetrius Knuckleseal. So, uh, first off, welcome back. We took the week off for the vacation, enjoyed our holidays, and uh, it was it was nice for me. Of course, you know I work every day, all day long, so it was uh, it was it was it was the same. You know, I, I nothing special for me really. Too much. I went and spent with my with my pops, watched football, and to me, that's that's the greatest thing. You know, because you know, D, like the whole time I was locked up, man. You know, I'm sitting there thinking. I was just praying that I could make it back to my dad, you know what I'm saying, and watch some football with him, spend some time with him, because I was sitting there and I would see, I would see dudes lose their family members, you know what I mean, and and I just didn't know if I could take that being in there, you know. But God, God granted me with a beautiful gift, and and uh, so for me that that was my holiday, man. How was your holiday, D? Uh. My holiday was pretty, pretty, pretty good, man. Uh, you know, aside from the things that myself and my organization and a lot of our family and friends have been going through with uh, the loss of Danny Boy, as well as the loss of my one of my other good friends, Earl Burton. Mm. You know, him and Danny was very, very close. Earl passed away a few days later. So that left a void for everybody, especially at this time. And especially when a lot of us, all of us kind of did 20 plus years in prison and got out around the same time. So it was somber, but uh, it was something to be thankful for. Amen. I mean, yeah, that that's that's exactly it. Like that that can give you a lot of self-reflection to be like, man, you know, it's like I say, you know, anybody that makes it on earth 40 years, 45 years plus deserves a pat on the back, man, because this this is tough. Life is tough, man, and if you make it to this age, like you've put in work on earth and then to lose your life at this age I'm sorry to hear about Earl. I didn't even know nothing about Earl, but you know, uh, with with Daniel, you know, like that preacher really hit home that night. You know, when when I'm listening to him on the YouTube, and and it's like he said, man, this man worked too hard to get here to not be here. You you know what I mean? You know, it it kind of it kind of remind me of the story. And uh, you can go back to the Bible, you can go to Martin Luther King, you can go to many other leaders who have used this same tone and same uh, parables and language. He say, I might not get to the promised land with you, but I'm going to get you there. And that's what Moses told the people. You know, he said, I might not get there with you, but I'm going to get you there. And so Danny boy, and I, and, and I can't help but always include Earl because if you knew Earl, you will understand the inseparability of him and uh, Danny boy 
in their personal life, in their public life, because everything that, that we do is about the people. So it was never really a personal life for us because it's just what we wake up and do. But Earl used to say the same same thing. Danny would say the same thing. Maybe not, not, not in those words, but he always talked about bringing about a change, making a difference in the world, not in just someone's life, but in the world, because he knew that it's like if you if you if you blow smoke into the air, somebody gonna smell it. Hmm. So he felt like if he put his energy into the world, somebody gonna feel it. And that was that's that's how he represented himself. And that's how he represented his cause. And that's why so many people are in mourning. So many people are in celebration. So many people are grateful to have ever met him, you know, because it's, he put that energy in the air, man. So for the viewers, we're talking about a, a gentleman by the name of Daniel Jones. And, and I'm going to let um Mr. Demetrius get into his history of who he was and his struggles to get to to where he was at and the things that he's done. And now I'm going to um, put up a, a picture slide show of, of some pictures of Danny that you can just see him in his element. You know, why, why D runs the down this man's legacy of, of what he's done. So who is Daniel Jones? Wow. See, I, his legacy, man. Let me, let, let, let me just say Danny boy is what we call him, right? Danny Boy, I met uh, approximately 20-some years ago for the first time. And we both was young. He was He's like five years younger than me. But I met him like 20-some years ago. He, he had just like three or four, maybe five years in at the time. No, yeah, he had about five years in at the time. And at that time, I had like 10 years. And he was a humble spirit. Don't get me wrong. He had his he had his ways. We all had our ways. We was young in prison. We had life without parole in prison. So therefore, yeah, hell yeah, we was wild. We was young. But we was listeners. And mm. I knew that about him from the very moment that I had encountered him, that he listened. That was a great trait. He listened because I remember people used to always tell me, all you got to do is listen, man. If you listen, you're going to learn. But if you don't listen, you can't learn nothing. Now, I didn't say if you apply it in that time, we just talking about listening. Because that's what both of us did. We listened. We just didn't apply what we was listening to. But if we never forgot it. When those old heads used to tell us, teach us how to be a leader. Teach us the qualities of leadership. Tell us that we possess those natural qualities. And he possessed it, man. And all he ever talked about in prison and out here, and we that was, that was one of my closest guys. When I when I want some advice on something, or me and him was building on something right now, I would just call Danny Boy or I would call Earl. That was the ironic thing. These are the two guys that I would call because they would always tell me they remember me, first of all. So they would always tell me 
how proud they are of me because for those who knew me to see me following through on words that I once uttered while in prison is very, very inspirational, motivational to some people because, because some people counted me all the way out because of the type of personality I got and the type of background I got and the type of anger problems that I used to have. So they was, they was biggest cheerleaders of mine. Mm. They was my confidants. That young guy, Danny, let me tell you something about this young guy, man. He got out 2019. I went to go see him the day he got out. And uh, gave him a hug, man. I was so proud just to see him, man, that, that we made it out. And this man hit the ground running. He got with so many different organizations, became the board member of some of the biggest uh, organizations in Michigan. He became the board member of, not a volunteer, but one of the board members, one of the people who sit behind the scenes and help make decisions. He worked with my semi and Michigan Liberation and uh, American Friends uh, Service Committee. That's where he last worked at. Uh, he worked alongside organizations like Nation Outside. Uh, it's just so many organ organizations that has been uh, involved with his life and who whom he he offered himself as services to. That it's incredible. You know, it's a reason why his memorial or his visual was filled with so many different people from coming from across the country, man. This is the guy, and I and I videoed this on the last vigil we had. This is a guy like me and you that society threw away. This is somebody that society said we don't care nothing about. That's the lowest scum of the earth. Lock him up, throw away the key. We don't even want to listen to him. But now it's people like us, Danny Boy Earl, that people want to listen to. The politicians want to call us up and ask us what we think about X, Y, and Z. Can you give me some insight? Can you come sit on this committee? Can you do this? Can you do that? I literally just had someone today. I contacted her uh, and let her know about Danny. This was prior to Earl passing. I let her know about Danny because me, her, and Danny and somebody else was hugged up in a picture. So I let her know, uh, yeah, Daniel, he passed away. She just asked me today. She said, do you think you would be able to be in a, in a capital with me on January 6th. This is the impact that Danny had on people. We was thrown away, brother. By the way, Danny's birthday is December 6th. She want me to be in the capital on December 6th when she give her last speech on the floor. Mm. She's a state senator. He's already working. He's already working. He, and, and, and that's, you know, these are the things that I believe is just because the body is gone doesn't mean that the spirit is. You know what I mean? And it's the spirit will always remain as, as long as we, we, we talk about it. You know what I mean? I mean, look how long we've talked about Socrates, Achilles, Hector, you know, these, these, these people from the past that from thousands of years, but they're still in movies. They still make movies about these people today. 
You know what I mean? So a person's alive as long as you keep them alive. You know, and look and look at look at what, what transpires from that. You know, his spirit continues to flourish through all of y'all now. And, and he's going to make sure that all y'all get to where you need to be. When I met Danny is when I came up there uh, to Michigan the time. You know what I mean? And I was being Thomas Freeman, trying to bulldog my way up on the stage. You know what I mean? Say my little piece, get my little word in. And um, and when I told Danny, because I got introduced to Danny, I think from, um, I want to say Larry, right? Larry introduced me to, to Danny when I got there. And then Larry told Danny, yeah, like he came all the way from Florida. Danny was like, what? You came from Florida? Oh, well, we got to get you up on the stage then for real. <laughs> right. You know, and, and he got me up there, man. But dude, like the aura that came off of Danny, like I felt like I was in the presence of a brother instantly. You know what I mean? That's the type of love that I felt that came from him that didn't even know me half a country away. But like all of us, we all resonate in the same trauma. We all come together. Once once we find out that, oh, you've been incarcerated for this long, you've you done this, you've been through this, man, you're a brother. Yep. That's that's. That's what we are. And that's what we're trying to get the community to understand is that we're we're out here trying to trying to give this brotherhood to the community because we understand. So for the for the listener, because we have a question um, you know, what happened to him. So it's should we take it from the beginning of who he was or or, or just just you do it, man. This is you. You well, let me say what happened. What 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 was the deal? Let me just let me let me let me put it this way. What happened to Danny? Danny was a spirit that was unstoppable. He was a spirit that cared for humanity and fought for the rights. Of humanity. He was not just a, a community activist. He was a human rights activist. Let's I, I want I want us to get that correct. He was a human rights advocate, human rights activist. He fought on behalf of all human beings, no rap, no matter the race, color, or creed, no matter the country of origin. He fought for people. And when you fight like some of us fight and you're on the news stations and and your face is becoming known you become a celebrity of sorts you know we may not think about that to ourselves we might not think of ourselves like that but you become a celebrity of sorts because in the minds of those who are following you see you on Facebook and uh, some social media platform, they're looking at you and they're looking up to you, especially if you are positive energy, they're mm. looking up at you and they're looking at you and they saying, wow, that guy there. So they may see you in a supermarket. I have literally, I have literally had a group of guys, young guys. And they was like, ain't you that guy? Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah. They say, wow, man, it, it, it feel like I'm starstruck. 
but I'm just like them. And that's the difference. We are just like them. And Danny Boy never tried to make himself seem bigger than anybody else. So therefore, he garnered the type of genuine love from people that he gave to people, right? Mm -hmm. But we know that even in biblical scripture, it says that no good deed shall go unpunished. It said good deed. It didn't say bad deed. It said good deed. No good deed shall go unpunished. So when you're doing good deeds, believe me, what that means is that the devil is watching you. <laughs> the devil is seeing the positive energy that you're putting out. And he is by all means and by any means necessary is going to punish you. He's going to send people your way. He's going to send people to try to shake your foundation. And so on November 19th, Saturday, while Danny was at a gas station on 8 Mile in Greenfield, the devil sent the agent. The devil sent the agent. And that agent accomplished in his fantasy what he set out to accomplish. That was taking the life of a rising star who was already shining. You know, he called himself putting the light out, but it don't matter as long as you a star, you can have a dim light, a bright light, a star is a star is a star is a star. But the devil sent his agent on November 19th. And that agent took the life of Danny Boy, shot him while he was at a gas station. And as the reason why the uh, pharaohs in the Bible was trying to kill Jesus, because they thought that Jesus was coming for the earthly throne. But Jesus wasn't coming for the earthly throne. <laughs> He already had that. He was never coming for that. He was coming for the hearts and minds of the people, which was far more bigger than an earthly throne. Danny was coming for the hearts and minds of the people. The devil was trying to protect some physical throne, but Danny was out for a throne far greater than the devil's accomplices could comprehend. And so when they took Danny Boy's physical frame, they thought that they ended Danny Boy. Hmm. But I sit here and smile, and I sit here and smile on behalf of his parents, his sister, his cousin, his girlfriend. I smile because they know, we've talked about it, and we know that Danny was not the body, nor the soul. He is a spirit of God that cannot be taken away. And that's why we're still talking about him. Amen. That's who Danny is. Amen. Thank you. So the Justice for, for Gerald movement um, says, you know, I felt the same way when I met him. He was very encouraging to me. 
this is the effect that he had on people, you know, and 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 continues to have even even you know that he's he's transitioned. So what what boggles my mind is that like you say you you have an individual that is out here trying to help people get out of their situations and the same people he's trying to help kill him almost as for because because our youth you know i had a kid in here today right to finish my point our youth is so misguided and so misled going back into some of the conversations that you and i had about these rappers these entertainers things of that nature that they feel like this momentary gain is going to to elevate their life in some fashion right you know what i mean and and but this is why you and I are where we are now doing what we do because we thought the same way back then. And it took us so many years. That's the thing. It took us so many years to understand this. This is the cycle of life. I had a kid in here today, you know, um, doing four hours community service. Right. So he's in here and, and, uh, and I'm showing him how I do the editing, how I produce film. You know, all the things that I do, um, what the what the organization does, but we'll just call him Jay. So Jay, his issue was uh, he carries a gun, right? Carries a gun and and he was being asked to, to, to stop and he threw the gun and ran and caught the fleeing eluding charge versus getting caught with the gun. You know what I mean? Right. So I asked him, I say, well. Jay, why why do you need to carry a gun? And he's like, man, that's the funny thing about it. I don't. I don't even need to carry a gun. He's like, I just I just do because that's the environment that I grew up in. Like, I just feel like if if my homeboys see me without a gun, they're like, man, you're tripping because what happens if today's the day? You know what I mean? But then he's like, but I'm starting to figure out the day only comes when I put myself in that position. And I'm like, whoa. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, wow, kid, do you realize the power you just said? You know what I mean? Do you realize what you just said? And he's like, well, yeah, because I'm starting to get it. You know what I mean? Like, it, I create all of this. You know what I mean? If I'm out in the middle of the night and I, and I get shot, then it's my fault. Because what am I doing out in the middle of the night? Right. Bimya. And I'm like, you know what, kid? I said, as long as you keep thinking like that, you're going to stay out of trouble. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Because that is my philosophy. My philosophy is 99% of the time, no matter the incident, right? We can always point at ourselves and, and see that we were the cause of this chaos. Can't lie. See, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. It's funny because when I was in prison, I had this bunkie. I'm going to say his name, man, because I love this little guy like he's my own son. His name Divine Armor. He was 19 years old. 2005. Uh, he came. He became my bunkie. And uh, so uh, Dion Riggins-Zill say we are the destinies of our own path. And uh, so 
How y'all doing, followers? Uh, I see I see uh, Jose on there, Alicia Bowers, uh, and a few others. How y'all doing? Yolanda, uh, justice for uh, Andre Nelson. That's Yolanda Nelson's brother. He been locked mm. up for 30 years. I know this brother for a crime he didn't mm. commit. So anyway, so I had this little bunky name, Divine Armor, right? So he was 19. He said he had been, he had started, went to the army or something. One of the armed services or whatever. So I'm like, uh, what you locked up for, little bro? He said, I got caught with a gun. So I say, why was you carrying a gun, man? You seem so polite. So, you know, soft-spoken, intelligent. He say, I was carrying a gun, and you hit the nail on the head. He say, because everybody else had a gun. I said, wow. I said, I understand that environment because I did things only because everybody else did it. You know, <laughs> fortunately, a lot of the stuff I did, I didn't get caught for. But my name still got out there, and I built the energy around me because I was acting or doing what other people was doing. And so when the uh, sword began, the sword of justice began to swing, it was catching me. It was catching me because I was doing things that everybody else was doing. So I created the environment around me and I created the mindset that created the environment around me that I am a criminal. I was preparing myself for something that had I not been on the streets, I wouldn't have had to prepare myself for. And this is the, the advice I gave uh, Divine Armor. And the very reason that I really bring him up also is because I remember sitting down and teaching him. He was, he was one of my first mentees in prison. And I'm teaching him. I'm talking to him. I'm not imposing none of my beliefs on him. I'm talking about I'm getting his beliefs and showing him how his beliefs can serve him well if he only believed. So mm. after a while, I could hear he stopped cussing because I don't cuss. I stopped cussing in, in, in 1999, 98. So he stopped cussing. Then when he do slip up, he'll give me some push-ups. And he, he his, his child's mother wasn't letting him see the child, wasn't bringing the child. So I told, started schooling him, teaching him. Next thing you know, he started teaching her. Next thing you know, his mother wanted to talk to me on the phone, and she thanked me for helping her son out. She said because she see the change in her son. The child's mother began to bring his son up there. 2006 or seven was the last time that I seen him in prison. 2000, 2021, 2021, he seen me on Facebook because I had a life without parole the last time he seen me. He seen me on Facebook. He, con he contacted me telling me how proud I was. He said, man, because you was rooting for guys to go home even when you had life. He said, man, you was the closest thing to a father to me because you taught me. And I always reflect on the story and I always tell his story. I tell him this too. I say, I always tell your story, man, how you told me that you was only carrying a gun because everybody else carried one. But what the devil did with you he not only convinced you that you needed a gun like everybody else, but he also sent the police at you.
because you had a gun. So the devil served you in two ways. He, he, he convinced you to carry the gun, and then he told the police that you had the gun. And then Absolutely. Prison, he talked, he whispered in your ear while you was in prison and made you think that you did the right thing by carrying a gun. But he didn't know that one of God's agents was in the same cell with you. Because mm. I let you know to think about what you want to do with your life and make a make a de decision on whether you should carry a gun or whether it was right to carry a gun or whatever the situation is. And that's what we do right now. We serve as agents of God because we realize that the devil has so many agents amongst us. So for those of us who have survived certain things, we have to utilize our position. Like the young guy was telling you said, he felt starstruck. Well, if you felt starstruck by me, that it motivated you or inspired you to do something great, okay, I'm a star. And that's it, you know, and it's like I told him. I said, let me, you know, I played, the last time I played with a gun, right? The last time I held a gun in any kind of fashion other than what it was designed for, I almost blew a man's head off. And that was the last time that I've ever held a gun to anybody in a playful manner or anything as such. But once I came to, to a certain age, I understood the impact of having a gun on you, the crimes that can come behind that, and I stopped carrying. Moving into prison, right, like I told him, I said, do you know I went through 13 years of feds, two years of state. The feds, I ended up being in some of the worst federal institutions in America, and I never carried a shank, not one time. I said, I never joined a gang, not one time. I said, because... I had the conviction in myself to know there was no reason for me to be attacked, right? I didn't tell on nobody. I had no sex crimes. I took my stuff to trial. Everything can be proven for all that. So I knew that the only trouble I could get into was myself. <laughs> right. There was no reason to carry no shank. There was no reason for that because when, when I saw that situation started to become tense, I, I knew how to, I didn't have a problem humbling myself. Look, brother, I'm sorry, man. You know, I apologize if I offended you. I didn't mean to offend you. I'm just voicing my opinion or whatever. Nine times out of 10, that, that quashes everything. You know what I mean? But it's, it's those dudes, it's those individuals that can't do that. Man, what you mean? I don't care about you getting mad. What you want to do? What you want to do? Man, whatever you want to do. Like who puts the stop to it? Right. You know what I mean? So it was me understanding that I could only get myself into trouble, get myself hurt. Now, I got into some situations again because of, of unforeseen instances. But again, it's when you know at the end of the day that you were in the wrong, take a step back, say, you know what? Listen, I'm new to this. This is a new institution for me. You know what I mean? Humble I didn't mean anything by it. My bad. But, you know, going, going back to Daniel, so, but what happened to Earl? So, Earl had been battling, uh, he had been battling cancer for, he served 28 years with me. I mean, yeah. Earl, me and him was jammed tight close. We had a different type of closeness than me and Danny. Because me and Earl, I knew Earl for 28 years. And I knew Earl 
uh, he, he grew up with and went to school with some of my family. So I knew him from a different perspective. And so he automatically knew of my family. So he automatically looked at me as family. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Whereas me and Danny boy, we kind of met in prison just for a brief moment. And he was wild. I was wild. And then I didn't see him for 10, 15 years. And then I see him and we all talking about going home. And we were still real, real good. But we never really had them real deep, deep, deep down conversations until the latter years. Mm -hmm. But we always been jam a jam tight cool. So, so with Earl, you know, he did them 28 years with me, man. And he got out. He hit the ground running. When I say, when I say him and Danny boy left this place at the same time and they left a legacy of information, teachings and learnings for all of us, you know, because Earl had been in and out the hospital for the last little over a year with cancer. He was fighting cancer, right? And then I think he had liver disease because I think he was going for dialysis too. And uh, so I would talk to him. We would literally, our organization stayed in contact with Earl every single day. We are literally a family for real. This is not just workspace. This is family for real. Mm -hmm. A family of passionate individuals. And uh, so, and it's it's just my opinion. It's just me saying this because he always bragged about Danny boy. And he always bragged about me because he knew where I had come from. So he always looked at me differently. Like I said, family. And he looked at where Danny came from the prison how he came from prison, how he hit the ground running. So he always bragged to me about Danny Boy and bragged to me about me. And Earl, I talked to Earl a few days, about a day before Danny got killed that Saturday. I think I talked to Earl Friday, right? And he lived to see Danny Boy pass away. Mm. He, lived, he lived to hear about, about Danny Boy pass, passing away. And you know, I talked to Earl and he literally told me just like this. He said, man, I'm going to fight to my very last breath to help people who have been affected by the criminal justice system. He literally was on his on that bed. I don't want to say the deathbed, but he literally was in his last days still talking about fighting. So this was Earl. He lived in his last days giving out advice and instructions on how to fight the criminal justice system literally to his last days man this man told me i called earl no matter of fact earl called me earl called me i, I think i was doing something at somewhere i don't remember and uh, earl called me i know he in the hospital he just got admitted back in the hospital he just got out and he just got admitted back in that's how he was struggling with this cancer stuff right I said, Earl, you all right, man? I'm like, uh, why you calling me, man? Ain't you in the hospital? He always kept his humor, literally. That never left him even in his hardest of times, his humor. So I'm like, I'm like, uh, ain't you in the hospital, Earl? What you calling me for, bro? I need you to get well. He said, he said, Demetrius, and he always said, baby, you doing it. And I got the text message where he texted me the same thing. He said, go, Demetrius, go. He said, baby, you're doing it. 
I said, Earl, just get well, bro. He said, he said, Demetrius, I'm gonna fight until my very last breath to help people who've been affected by this criminal justice system. He said, this is what he told me. He said, I'm tired of being weak by this radiation and this uh, uh, stuff with this cancer. He said, I'm tired of this, man. He said, Demetrius, he said, I'm just tired of it. And so a few days later, you know, uh, I was told that he, because at this time that I talked to him, he said, I'll be getting out the hospital tomorrow. They say, because I'm well enough to go back home. He said, but I'm tired of this. So I called, I called our other close friend up and I told him, I said, man, Earl talking in a language that I truly understand. He keeps saying he tired. He keeps saying he tired. Not like he tired, he about to go lay down and get back up. So I told my friend this over the phone. A couple days later, well, the situation happened with Danny Boyd and a couple days later, they say, yeah, Earl is in the hospital, in hospice, and I, and I mentioned it on my live at Danny Boyd's vigil. They say, what's up, bro? They say, Earl is in hospice, and he's refusing all further treatment. And all I said, I agree, because I talked to Earl. That, that's my guy. I talked to him. He was tired. He felt like I fought the great fight, not a good fight. I fought the great fight. I left something for y'all to build upon that cannot be torn down because this man fought. Man, listen, the organization that I work with, Michigan Liberation, Earl was the first leader to come out of Michigan Liberation. And he joined after the organization started, but in the inception of it, but he was the first leader and he wasn't even paid. He was the first idealist who came up with philosophies and ideas on how to move forward, how to affect change. It was Earl. I was there at the time, in and out. I was doing my own thing, but it was Earl. And so he laid the foundation and the groundwork for so many things that we doing right now in Michigan Liberation. And back then, in August, September, October 2018, we didn't have any money. Literally, we did not have any money. Hmm. Now you fast forward and Earl became uh, a part of the bailout program. He bailed out the first person, actually. And uh, listen, man, his legacy, man, is just impeccable. And this is why I say I don't I can't mention Danny Boy without mentioning Earl, because for anybody that know. They know that these two guys was very, very close, almost as if Earl was his advisor and he was Earl's advisor. They been in many circles and round tables and sat on many things together. All of us did actually, right? So when I speak of Earl, man, and plus Earl was, let me, let me just, let me just include this fact so those who don't know will know that Earl fought into his 70s. He fought into his 70s, man. He fought every time he got out. We had to force Earl to sit down. Literally, we had to force Earl. No, no, bro, no. You good. 
he would get out the hospital. Literally, I remember when he lost his brother. He lost his brother, and I think he was on Zoom with us the next day, mm. still fighting, because he understood that even in time of war, in time of adversity, you must still fight. Even until your very last breath, you must still fight. And that man fought to his very last breath. And it's evidenced in his final post on Facebook. This is his final post. While he was on in his last moments, not last days, his last moments, he created a post on Facebook thanking everybody who supported him. Letting everybody know he fought the good fight. Letting everybody know who he was and what he lead to us. That was Earl. Mm. That's powerful, man. That's beautiful. That's, um, I, I, I knew nothing about that. You know, I, I've, I've heard you guys talk about Earl. I don't think I've met Earl, <clears throat> but... That's um, yeah, that's powerful. So I, we have Jay Love in the room. Um, for those that don't know, Jay Love, go ahead and throw your link in the in the in the uh, in the chat there. Tomorrow night I'll be on Jay Love's show talking about uh, the difference between not guilty and innocence. So I'm looking forward to that discussion there. That'll be a good discussion. Oh, that's a but good discussion. I want to go back to what you had said earlier because. You know, you breezed over it, and I want the, the listener to really understand what it was that you said so they can, they can understand the impact that you were trying to have. When you said that even lifers were, were uh, you know, like, uh, how did you say it? You said that um, even people were saying that, that you, were, you, were, you were glad to see people go home as a lifer. Let, let, me, let, me, let, let, me, let me say this here, man. And I always... Pucker up and smile when I talk about this stuff because it, it it's very heartwarming for me, man. Because we taught that in my in my uh, teachings, we're taught that uh uh that we learn how to love and not demand love in return. You know, we want to see other people progress in life. We want to see others succeed in life. And we do anything in our power that we can to help others succeed, right? And and that's, I didn't understand it at the time, but those are attributes of leaders. You know, the leader, he paved the way on every span of ground. He leaves his footprints clearly cut so all can see and be assured that he, their master, went that way. So I never thought that... Uh, just because those guys around me got less time than me and they got parolable sentences, one and two and three and four and five years, that I shouldn't talk to them. That was never me. I always told everybody that I ever came in contact with, I don't care if you got one day or you got 20 years, that one day is a life sentence. Why? Because it could change your life. You can mm. lose your life or you can find your life one day. So when I encourage brothers and cheer for brothers going home, 
although I had a life without parole sentence at the time, it was because I loved to see brothers go home and I love to try to plant a seed in them, cultivate a seed in them, that they will go out there and be constructive citizens of society, builders of communities. So I was always, I was always trying to help somebody be a part of that building block, man. It, it, was, it was painful to me, one of my closest, closest, another young guy, this 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 young guy I took up under my man I talked to him to the very last day that he was in prison, but I could see the spirit on him. I seen it. I told a few of my friends I see the spirit on him. The devil is has latched on to him, and he's not fighting him. He's letting the devil stay there. And that little guy he did two years. He did four gun like the other guy. Uh, Divine Army did two years for a gun. And the next thing I know, this female correction officer asked me, did I see my son on the news? Because he was like another son to me. And I'm like, no, nah, what's up? She said they looking for him for multiple murders. Good God, man. Now, the reason why I bring it up in that manner is because remember how you was just talking about and we were just talking about guys carry guns because other people carry guns. And see, when you carry that gun and you in conflict, it go back to that, that name killer. And your name killer. And you got a gun and somebody accosting you, trying to bring about some disharmony to you. And you have no control over your life. Now you're going to use that gun. Yeah. And so I... I was always inspired by brothers going home because that's what inspired me to keep me focused because I lived vicariously through those who was going back into society. And I had always wished them the best as they go out because I understood the challenges because I keep seeing brothers come back. So I kind of understood the challenges because I'm always questioning guys. Man, what, what brought you back, bro? So I'm always questioning people. So you have brothers like us, man, that we love to see brothers succeed in life, do the right thing, and affect change and affect difference in the life of others and in society as a whole. Because when, when one win, we all win. But to give, to give context for the listener, right? <clears throat> the 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 power of what you just elaborated on is we can become very this this is a lot of our trauma that we deal with as well that that isn't taken into account by the public in in the sense that we lose people in prison all the time that are close to us you've sat here for 49 minutes and listened to some of the relationships that are formed in prison through this brotherhood right and and one day we may just come back to our cell and that individual is gone. You know what I mean? That individual went to the shoe, got killed, whatever reason. And we never see this individual again or this individual goes home. I know for me. After 13 years, right after about eight years, I got tired of watching people go home. I really did. 
because it was hurting me to see not only people that I've been bidding with, you know what I mean, go home. It it just I wanted it to be me. Like I want to go home. You know what I mean? And these people are gonna go home. So for individuals that have life sentences, you're talking watching people go home 20, 30 years. You know, and in in most institutions, people are going home usually about every other week. You'll see somebody packing out. You know, you'll see people on the pack out list, people smiling. You'll see parties out on the yard, you know, people throwing, cooking. Their homeboy's going home, man. My, my partner's going home, man. We're throwing a spread. And for a lifer to sit through this constantly, watching people go home, knowing that he's never going to go home, that turns people bitter instantly. You know what I mean after so long? So I just want, I want to elaborate that to show the power that you had the love that you had for others other than yourself to still wish these people good, to go out and do into the community good, almost like you're saying here, take a piece of my heart with you, take this out into the community and, and spread the love to the people, man, you know? And, and that's, that's power in itself, you know? That's, that's a lot of power in you, brother. Remember you hit the nail on the head when you was talking earlier about... Uh... The reason why people, you, was, you was talking about the very ancient individuals, you was talking about Socrates and all that type of stuff. The spirit. Legacies. Right? The legacy. That's how my legacy lived on is because I was happy, genuinely happy for someone who had parted ways with me. I may never see this guy again, which some of them I have never seen again. Some of them That's have right. contacted me just since I've been out after literally... 30 years, literally. And they said, man, how you, man, you always talked about getting out. I ain't, I thought you had life without, I said, I did. And they say, but you always, you never act like it. When they knew me, before I was, when I started straightening my life out, when they knew me, they could never imagine that I had life without parole because I was always so down to earth and humble. I was also I was always so upbeat to see them go home, to talk about when you get home, what you going to do, brother? What you go? Maybe you should try this, trying to order books so we can learn to do that. And that's what this is about. It's not about me. Hmm. It's not about me. Because guess what? If I die today, okay, I'm gone. So it can't be about me. It's about what I can give to someone else. Because and that's that's where we start seeing these athletes. You had uh, uh, Kareem, right? Tyson. Tyson was the first one that I saw do it when he had the interview. They were interviewing about his trophies, his belts. He's like, man, this is all trash. Yeah. Throwing it on the table. This is garbage. You had Kareem go and sell all his trophies, yeah. his rings and donate it all to his his fund, you know, because we start to realize exactly what you just said. Like, this stuff don't matter. You can't take it with you. you wow, you just hit a something else. Somebody just told me yesterday, they was talking about these millions of dollars, and I'm going to bring it all the way back around when I'm about to say what I'm about to say. Somebody was talking about, uh, we were talking about Kanye West and them, and I said, you know what? He said, Kanye West is the stupidest guy I know. That guy lost billions. I said, he the smartest guy I know. That man took his freedom back. 
I Absolutely. Said, I said because Kanye West said this here. He said, I can't take none of that money with me anyway. He said, and then if they took it from me like that, it was never mine in the first place. Never yours in the first place, man. So, it came with blood money. It's not about, again, he even said, and real true leaders, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, Elijah Muhammad, uh, Noble Juwali, Marcus Garvey, uh, 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 Barack Obama said it. All of these people have said, resoundingly have said, my life is not about me. It's not about me. As soon as you think that your life is about you, you already lost the race. Because my life is about the advancement of someone else. This is why we try to be, because otherwise we wouldn't be trying to be good examples. Good examples for who? We try to be good examples because we know somebody watching us and our life is not about us because we can be goody two-shoes to ourselves. That's right. But it ain't about us. We try to set good examples and lay good footprints for other people to follow because it's about other people. The footprints in the sand. That's what the legacy, that's what the very word legacy is talking about. When you're leaving something for someone else to talk about, a a path that someone else can follow. Mm. And that's what we do every day. That's why we always gotta be careful with what we say, how we say it, because words can save, create, or destroy. And we got to be careful with who we surround ourselves with. Man. Power. Listen, brother, I'm 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 saying this because Earl and Danny, they surrounded themselves around power. Power. They surrounded themselves around community activists, human rights advocates and activists. They surrounded themselves with social workers and doctors and and lawyers and judges. They surrounded themselves with down-to-earth people. They surrounded themselves with community changers, influencers, because they knew that if they could feed off any of this energy, their legacy is cemented. They knew that. Amen. And that's what we must always remember for those of us who are wise, who are listening to me on Facebook, any other social media platform. Watch the company you keep. If you hang around a barbershop long enough, you're going to end up getting a haircut. And if you like me that ain't got no hair, you're going to find something to get cut because you shouldn't have been hanging around that barbershop. What you hanging around the barbershop for anyhow? Period. See what I'm saying? But D, man, another great discussion. But before we go, man, we got we got a round of, of uh, comments over here. I'm going to read some of these off. So um, Ms. J. Love, the Justice for Gerard movement. Uh, she says, yes, we are the creators of reality. Uh, at any time, we can make a new choice. It's all it's all working together for our good. Rest in, in paradise, Danny and Earl. Earl was a beautiful spirit. Uh, she goes on to say he wasn't playing with Black Mama bailout when you were telling the story about the. <laughs> she said Michigan liberation is amazing, uh, and then she goes on. Yes, again for those um, I'll be on her show tomorrow night. The name of the show is Innocence is not a defense, not guilty versus innocent. 
and that'll be a a, a powerful discussion. Um, but before we sign off, though, before we before we sign off, Mr. Willie says my middle name is Earl. Big ups to all the Earls, and rest in heaven to your fallen and comrade. I send you my condolences and my prayers. May God rest his soul. Rest in peace, Earl. Thank you. So, with that, I'm gonna I'm gonna slide the the, the pictures through one more time, and um, and we're gonna let these brothers rest and just carry on their legacy. You know what I mean? Um, just just do the things that we know they would be doing if they were still here. That's key, man. We must know that when you say you love what someone else is doing, you genuinely love what someone else is doing, imitation. You can imitate them because they doing this for a reason. God mm. is allowing them to break certain ground for a reason so other people can come through that way. <laughs> They're not breaking the ground for them to get through. God allowed them to carry that torch, to break that ground, to travel that particular road so other people can see the possibilities and go that way. That's all I want to say to everybody listening is that God put men in position to do certain work, not for that man's benefit, but for the benefit of the whole. Because we all a team. Keep in mind, if you see a pathway opened up, somebody opened it up for you. In hopes that you could open it up for somebody else. Mm. No question, man. That's power. Well, D, my brother, man. Um, next week, man. Next week. Absolutely. Uh, we're just gonna have to run it at an hour, man. We try to make it a half hour and. I don't, you know, I don't know what's going on, but it's okay. Power, power, the power hour. Get right Thursday night power hour, all huh? Time, all the time. <laughs> to all, all you guys, man, thank you for joining in. Thank you for tuning in. Um, next week, same time, same bet channel, you know, and uh, God bless. God bless the, the, the soldiers, man, who aren't with us. There's so many that aren't with us, that we carry on their legacy, we carry on their fight because we understand the importance of it. And, um, and, and these brothers will always live forever through my fight, through Demetrius' fight, through all our fights. So until next week, man, y'all stay safe, stay blessed, stay out of these people's chain gang, man. Stop selling drugs to each other in the community. Stop hurting each other, please, man. Stop. Start looking out for one another. Start protecting one another. Absolutely.